All right, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Your Walls. My name is Kelly Zimmerman, and I'll be your presenter today. Excited to welcome you all. I do recognize this is the last breakout, and I thought we could be struggling a little bit. So I brought you a gift, and we're going to pass these around. Anybody remember Pop Rocks? So I'm going to pass these around, and you can take one. And my thought is this. You cannot enjoy Pop Rocks without it appearing to me as though you're really engaged. And you may need that jolt, right? So you'll get a jolt. I'll think that you're encouraging me, and we'll just get through this session, OK? So I'll pass these around, grab one. You can uh, enjoy it now, take it with you for the drive home, uh, whatever you'd like. But again, welcome. Just excited to share this time with you. While you're passing this around, just introduce myself a little bit, and of course, I am that mom. This is my adorable family. I have two young boys, and they're just a blast. Uh, we're enjoying life. They're wild and fun and uh, men of God who are going to change this world. So it's an honor to be called to be their mom. And um, I actually um, spent about 18 years in the hotel industry before being called to ministry, and then that journey looked a little bit like leading some within the church that I attended at the time, and then God just called me to launch a multiple church outreach event in the community. I just wanted to see the church come together to impact the community and did that for a handful of years, and I really developed into launching this organization, Barefoot Faith, a friend of mine and myself founded uh, Barefoot Faith in 2013, and it's just been an incredible journey. We really have um, two focuses, and one is that we want to be able to highlight opportunities in life, just the small moments where I believe we can reflect the light of God's love the greatest, and we're often just uh, pretty consumed with our own lives and blow past those opportunities to look like Jesus. So we have some resources and tools and ideas just to capitalize on those moments. And our other focus is we have a um, freezer meal ministry. So uh, we're sort of positioned as a local missionary here in Columbus in that you can share stories of people going through overwhelming times. Uh, it's our heart to connect with those without a church family. And then we take them freezer meals and it's just an incredible opportunity uh, the access that people will give to a nonprofit that they sometimes will not give to a church. Um, and we've been able to just pray with and over these families. So it's really cool what uh, God has done there. I am going to try to stick closely to my notes because I can get really carried away. I'm passionate about all of these things, and I want to keep you here till dinner. You'd stay, though, right? No, okay, yeah. All right, so, um, but really share that more uh, as well because I know there's um, just a diverse audience here today. There's bivocational pastors, there's team leads, um, there's people who want to make a difference in their community and in their church. So it is really through those lenses um, that I bring this content to you today from a church staff lens. I uh, was on church staff for uh, three years and um, so yeah, through a nonprofit leader, from the lens of a community member, a parent, um, a team lead, I wanted to bring this content to you. So we are going to dive in, and I just want to pause for a moment and have you reflect on a question. If your church closed its doors, how would your community be impacted? Now this isn't the people who attend your church, this would be city officials. Uh, school staffs, um, the nonprofit leaders, corporate executives, 
families in the neighborhoods that surround your church? How would they be impacted if your church closed its doors? So again, not, um, we may not all define purpose of church the same, but if the purpose of the local body is to reveal the love of Christ to the world, then our neighborhoods, our communities, and our cities, and even the world, should be profoundly impacted if we were to close our doors. Of course, I'm sure I'm not alone in loving this scripture here in Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, again, I know this scripture can have a few different interpretations, but I think that we would agree that it is the church's job to live so that people can see God is real. So the question is, how do we live like that? And again, this just brings me uh, to a scripture. It's sort of one of my life verses, as well as the scripture that the mantra of barefoot faith was founded to be the light. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. So I wonder if maybe some of us have been approaching outreach with the wrong objective. Do you want to grow your church, or do you want to equip your body to be the light? So we're going to dive into that thought just a little bit today, and personally, I believe that if a body of believers were to get this right, it would inherently and organically grow the church. And so that's what I want to equip you with some ideas today. Um, If we can set up our outreach ministries to be practical and impactful and relevant to the body of believers, then I believe that they will see others drawn to them, which draws them, of course, to Jesus. So I spent a little bit of time framing this content, but I also want to frame how you process it. So this is just actually a bonus. I wasn't initially planning on sharing this, but I recently finished this book, The Power of Moments by the Heath Brothers. Has anyone read that book yet? Yeah, it's good, right? Definitely pick it up. I cannot think of honestly anyone in, inside the church or outside the church um, that couldn't benefit from this book. So it's a, a you will, uh, as I share just a summary of it, you will immediately think of first impressions of care, kids ministry, your life, <laughs> uh, family, and just all relationships. So I just wanted to share it with you. And before I share that summary, I'm going to... Um, Yes, I want you to just mark down that website. It's heathbrothers.com slash members. So there's the first chapter on that page that you can download for free. There's a great summary of the whole book if you just want to, you know, uh, power moments for dummies, just to uh, go over that. Um, there's also, though, a great discussion guide. If you're developing a team, you can lead your team through this book with that discussion guide, which is free. Um, so again, this there's just some great applications for you. I know, again, there's probably the majority of the room that has full-time jobs that are not ministry jobs. So you will see this benefit both your life in ministry and your life in the world. So the main point of this book is that we all have moments in our lives, I'm sorry, defining moments in our lives, and they shape us. And we don't have to wait for them to happen. We can be authors of them. So that is the main point of this book, and it, it, uh, he, there's so many examples, but they talk through how we assess life not in the minute by minute, but actually through the, we remember the flagship moments, the peaks, the pits, and the transitions 
One of the stores they use to um, relay this is Disney World. Now, what do we know about Disney World? It's the happiest place on earth. Has anyone been to Disney World with little kids? Was it the happiest place? No, I'm just kidding. It is an incredible experience, but it was 9,000 degrees. My toddlers melted down multiple times. The food is high priced and it's not that great. And so they kind of walk through this. If you actually did an hour by hour uh, some, or check in with a family and their Disney World experience, you would see on a scale of one to 10, a lot of twos, threes, I'd contend negative seven. But you end the day, right, with fireworks and this light show on Cinderella's castle and my kids are like, and I'm like, and I'm crying, crying at this moment that my kids had at Disney World. So it would rank in most people's lives a nine, even though there were so many of these pits. And so really we can apply this to outreach in so many ways, but the main um, point that I really wanted to share as we kind of take in the rest of the content today is that these moments are epic. We can create, we can develop these epic moments. And so um, the, they kind of uh, steer you not to use this um, uh, acronym, but it's the easiest way to remember. So um, elevation. Moments of elevation are experiences that rise above the routine, the moments that break the script. Then we have pride. So moments of pride capture us at our best, showing courage earning recognition, conquering challenges. And again, they give some great stories and examples of this throughout the book. Um, insight, moments of insight spark discoveries about our world and ourselves. If you think about this through the lens of a short-term mission trip, right? That happens when we serve in our local community as well. Connection, moments arise when we create shared meaning, highlighting the mission that binds us together and supersedes our differences. We are made to feel united. And when we serve in our community, and sometimes through some of the examples I'm gonna share with you, that's exactly what happens on these teams. So again, I just wanted to share that with you. Um, I think that, again, you can't go wrong if you spend some time with this book as you prepare. If this is a new ministry, if outreach is new, or if you are new to leading outreach, if you spend some time with that content, I think that it will guide you into clarifying and simplifying where you should invest your resources. And remember, our greatest resources are our time and our people. So that's just a thought to keep in mind as we go through. So we're going to start with this. Keep it simple. I'm not calling you stupid, I promise. I just wanted to re-engage you because I knew it had been a little bit of time and it's after lunch and uh, Pastor Randy told me he's going to fall asleep. So I just wanted to <laughs> re-engage you here. So again, I, I do think that we can make outreach, community impact, just a little complex. And I don't know that it needs to be. So, um, and again, these aren't um, what you should be doing. This is just maybe a different lens that I wanted to share with you, especially if you're getting started, if you're a church plant, or if um, your budget is tight and things like that. So th that's really where the heart of this content is today. So um, I think that ultimately we can invest through partnerships and we'll spend a little time on this. So. Really, there are people in your community who are paid to make it a better place to live. And I, it just sort of blows my mind sometimes how we miss partnering with them, 
So um, there's just so many benefits to doing so, and I'm gonna highlight a few of the who's. First one is really your city. How can you invest in and, and partner with your city? So again, um, I'm not proposing that we cancel our egg hunts or our pumpkin parties or anything like that, but the city does do quite a few events that oftentimes the church is doing too, and then many times our events compete with their events. So I just sort of wonder if we would, instead of saying don't do those things, let's just evaluate if those things are adding value to our community. If it's just to draw a crowd, um, and not that marketing is bad, but if that's how we're investing our outreach dollars, it might miss the mark. So um, just an example of this, a um, year and a half or so ago, I, had a, I already had a relationship with the city and they had an event that I learned about called Touch a Truck. Now I've never been to that, our city's event of that, but I have two young boys, so we had been to an event like that before. I also know what happens to them physically in the few hours before lunch, and sometimes it's dramatic. And so I just got to thinking as again a mom, as a family who would experience an event like that, how could we as a church then add value? This event was gonna happen whether we partnered with them or not. So I reached out, and this might be the old salesperson in me, but I did have kind of an idea of, in mind of what I wanted to see us accomplish, but my heart was pure. I did want to find out how we really could help them, but sort of like our, I did keep those power of moments over here just so if you want to reflect back on those words, but um, I did want to sort of, through that conversation, bring about insight. So I led the conversation in a way that allowed the city um, employee to trip over the truth. You need this. You need this to be a part of your event, and I have a solution. And so ultimately, what we, how we partnered was we had a zone within this event where all we did was bring in a grill, some hot dogs, water, um, and a team, and shirts, right? They were um, identified as being a part of the church, um, and a flag that we put in the ground, right? And so people were just blown away that this church was here at this event giving away free hot dogs. And we didn't actually initially plan on giving away water because the city was going to, but they didn't. And so we sent someone out to get water because of course it was a 90 degree May day, which was great, but no one was prepared. So we did that and then we had um, said, hey, well, hey, what if we brought like construction hats? Oriental trading, like there was very minimal budget involved. We did not have to plan a competing event to draw the crowd. This was the third year of the city having the event and they had doubled their attendance from the year prior. So I don't know, there was almost 2000 people at this event that we had hot dogs to serve at it. So just to think through these ways, how can you think through your city's events um, and what they're doing and how you can partner with them? Kind of another idea, um, just wanna share, No, really just to, again, I think, uh, and I'll kind of go into the how and maybe why, which might help with that question, but um, I really think, you know, our heart is to just serve and support the community and the city demographic where we are is young families. So if, you know, we're there present, serving, supporting the community, I think it says a lot about the church to people. So that would definitely be the heart of partnering with that event. Um, and again, just another, um, since there's always events from a city kind of um, with the parks and rec around holidays, 
and we're coming up on Easter. Um, just again, just something to maybe get the wheels turning, right? Everyone does like a breakfast with a bunny or something like that. And I know, uh, right, churches, we do a lot of big events around Easter. And again, not saying that we should stop those things, but just an idea is that, man, the, the city is tasked with executing these events and they don't often have a volunteer base. So I'm just proposing that if we can bring that solution to our city partners, we are winning influence with them and impacting the community. And so um, a breakfast with the bunny, you know, you might call that person who's tasked with organizing that event and say, hey, can I bring some volunteers and we'll just serve the whole thing. We'll be, we'll be the ones who serve. And you know, I always do ask the question, is it okay if we wear just you know, shirts that identify us as a church? You know, again, yes, that's intentional. Um, not to be saying, look at us, but more of we're serving. We're serving our community. We're serving our city. We care. Um, and so that's really the point, not just be like, hey, look at us. And, you know, ultimately, those church, t- those church shirts to me are saying, look at his church. He cares about you, and so we're giving God the glory for that. So um, just an idea there, but again, you can be the ones who serve. Volunteers are huge to organizations like that. Um, But another idea is can you add, how could you add value? Can you bring a giveaway? So I don't know, get little, those little gable boxes, custom printed with your church, whatever, on it, and put donut holes in it. Ask if you can give away a little box of donuts to every kid who leaves that event. It's a takeaway, it's just an added value to the event. Offer to bring the bunny, the photographer, the prints, print the pictures, just little things like that, that they may or may not be doing, but it would really take a whole element off of their plate for executing an event. So just another idea, any event in your community from the city, Parks and Rec, uh, other organizations or not that has a kids zone, if you are um, a church that has a a great kids ministry or you are um, seeking to love on families, get there. How can you get there? Do they have a kids zone? Um, How can your your volunteers be the, the volunteers in that space or could you add? a kid zone to an event. We did that one year with a local 5K. Hey, can we just come and do the kid zone? We'll bring an inflatable, some hula hoops, bubbles, whatever else, and uh, kept that kid zone and even the adults were able to leave their kids. I don't know if I propose that liability wise, but um, you could leave their kids in the kid zone so parents could run the race. So just ideas like, like that. Um, Fourth of July, fireworks, things like that. Um, you know, again, I don't know that we have to do a big event. Do a pop-up tailgate. Put a flag in the middle of um, wherever people are gathering to watch the fireworks. Everyone gets there early. They're not always prepared with snacks or anything like that. So again, throw up a grill, pass out hot dogs, or just pass out some snacks, water, glow sticks. Put people in church t-shirts and walk around with glow sticks. <laughs> and I think it's an, an awesome and easy thing to do. So this is true with our schools and um, parks and rec as well. I may have just talked way past. I forgot. See, I need both my hands. It just doesn't work. So um, this is just a picture from the Touch a Truck event, one section of the um, event. Um, And again, with schools, parks and recs, things, you can do painting projects. You can build things, of course. You can plant um, do weeding projects, just 
all of these things. We've taken on in the past some special projects where we truly wanted to add value to a park. So this was a project where we actually did donate all the materials as well. We built a lacrosse wall at a local park. And so again, but most of the time, these ideas are budget friendly because they've planned on doing them. Um, so the resources were in their budgets. Um, and sometimes, and sometimes not the labor is. So um, especially with the, with the schools, um, painted shelters, bridges, railings. Um, this was a project where we were able to build a playground, did not buy that playground, but we installed it. Um, this was with a group of multiple churches a handful of years ago, but just a, a great project there. Um, I don't know if I have, oh yeah. So um, this was, uh, I'll get into this in just a moment, sorry. Just a couple of other ideas along those lines is events with the schools. If you think through prom, can you go and be help with the food? You're going to be the ones who consistently restock the items or things like that. But more so, if you think through any parents in the room, through concessions, think about supporting the PTO by bringing the people to serve concessions. I'm a mom. I don't want to be in the concession stand with my kids on the field or on the court. I, you know, I don't want to be. So it would be incredible if a church was able to partner with the PTO. They're still able to then receive the money they're looking to fundraise, but not have to put parents in the concession booth. So just again, an idea of how to partner with them. If you're in a community where there's multiple schools, um, you could adopt a school. And what can that look like? Whew, there's so many things from teachers to families that you could look into doing. Um, you could adopt a nursing home. You can send one family or five. And just to have the presence of, of loving people, it will make a huge impact. I do just want to talk about this um, component real quick because I think, again, it's kind of a hard one to find the people. And this is through neighbors. There are people in your community who are struggling who have just had life, you know, blow them, uh, just knock them down. And sometimes they have a church family. Many times they don't. And so I sometimes just get overwhelmed when I think about traveling a season without my faith and without a community of faith. And so if we can find our way to people who are struggling and serve them, I think we look like Jesus. And so just a couple of ideas. This was... Um, in a house makeover, <laughs> but um, I think that there are some ways to, you know, this family, um, the, the uh, man of the house is, is an older a couple, but he had um, all of a sudden fallen ill and was unable to do anything really in the yard for several months. Family was not local, just a big challenge, and how overwhelmed they were um, with showing up and saying, hey, we just want to serve you, like, right, the why, what, how much does this cost, how much can we donate, the city, they've had violation after violation after violation, we're just going to take care of it for you. Well, I, they told me it would cost me like $2,000. Oh, well, that's great. Well, this is free, so it's less, right? And so um, just these opportunities. So just a couple of ways I want to, and if this is on your heart, I will say these projects have been incredible to truly gain that connection of people serving. I've seen people, um, a single, or not a single mom, I'm sorry, a stay-at-home mom who thought like mission work just was not going to be in her future because of being a mom to four kids and, and all of that. And she's like, I can be on mission right here. Yes, you can. And so um, she's been reading now. She has started a nonprofit of her own um, because of being reignited 
from a project like this. And again, people, this is sort of the connection when you um, are united in such a way. Um, I've seen, you know, we had a couple of recovering addicts on a few, they were new to the church and just got right out there and plugged in. They're like, that insight. They tripped over the truth that yes, they have purpose and they have value and they have a new life and they can serve others when they are like, oh, I'm still being served. You can still serve. And so it's really cool, but just a, a way to maybe get to these stories. One, you can create a way to capture these stories from people within your body. So, um, right, as we start to communicate some messaging of get the eyes open, share stories. So with Barefoot Faith, we have a share a story. Um, just Google form on our website, and it's for a specific purpose of meal delivery, but your uh, Google form could capture specific purpose, uh, things that you want to help with, and it could just be a Google form that you point your body um, of believers to, to share the stories, and again, you have these teams, right, that you then engage. Uh, but another idea is to connect with the zoning officer. So they know they're the ones, their team is handing out the violations. And a lot of times, right, these people have asked for a lot of grace in order to not go to court, not pay the fines, all of these things. So they don't just know who's being fined, they know why. And so um, I just had this idea and, and never ran with it, but you could have cards even printed of, we wanna help, um, you know, give us a call. And not, you're not saying we can always help, and I think you wanna frame that a little bit, right? Of <laughs> Just like, oh, hey, well, buy me groceries <laughs> for the next year. Yeah, okay. Um, so I would frame it a little bit to bring clarity, but if we would have the zoning officer able to say, hey, I'm not sure if this church can help, but if they can, they will, and give those cards out to people in the community. I can tell you that some of these projects, they didn't just impact these people, they impacted the whole neighborhood because they maybe, maybe not, they should have been helping, but nonetheless, they were able to impact the whole neighborhood. So really the question is um, how, and I will say real quick on that zoning officer, just a few other people that have these stories are school counselors, nonprofit leaders like um, the pantry. They know stories of people in your community who need some help. Um, so, all right, so how? Really it's through relationships and we have to be building relationships with these uh, people who are, are doing this work. So um, as an example, you can start, um, if you wanted to create partnerships with local nonprofits, even in your community, is to start by researching what those nonprofits are, find out their mission, is this something that your church wants to come alongside? And then you meet with them, what are their dreams? What would allow them to go further faster? I just sort of contend that I'm not sure we have to reinvent the wheel. There are many people that are fighting the same injustices that we want to fight. And so what if we partnered with them and helped to be a solution for them? It's kind of a part of the why here. So see, I get excited, stick to the notes, right? Stick to the notes, okay. So, um, but again, you, um, should research the organizations and you should research the events happening in your community. Again, which one align with maybe the heart or um, the demographic of your church and how can you create some epic moments within those events? How can you add value? Um, it's just an idea. One um, point with that or main point with that is 
in order to build the relationship, it's just not, you don't get to just walk in and be like, hey, we're here to help. You know, it's kind of like sometimes short-term mission trips aren't necessarily for the missionaries, right? So it's the same. We have to build the relationship. It will take time. They are constantly tasked with creating projects for people who do not follow through. And that creates more work for the city officials, for the schools. They have to now come up with a contingency plan of how to fix it if it wasn't done to their standards or to get the work done that you started and didn't complete. So out of the gate, I knew, uh, this was several years ago, that I wanted to be a trustworthy partner to them. So it meant on the front end, right, it was on a short leash. So I, on many weekends, would be... Um, painting a shelter or pulling weeds. I was gonna finish the job. If the project ended up bigger than we thought, I followed through and uh, just made sure with a smaller team, you know, a follow-up weekend. So just things like that. Don't go back to them and say, we couldn't do it. If you ask for the opportunity to serve them, make sure that you serve them. So following through is huge. You will gain their trust. And again, um, even with the city, sometimes um, labor can be tricky. They don't want to give away all of their labor, right? Because they need to um, keep those same hours and everything for year over year on the budget. But what it does allow them to do when they can trust your relationship is to start truly dreaming. They will dream for their city things that they can't budget for. And that is such a win for the city, for the community, and for your church to be the catalyst for making those things happen. Um, and again, really the, um, on the budget side of things, again, a lot on the supplies, a lot of times these things are already budgeted for. So again, we can bring the people and maybe some tools as an example, painting, right? We're going to bring some painting supplies, some rollers and things like that, but they're going to have the paint. That's the big cost, right? They're going to have the paint. They're going to have the plants. They're going to have the lumber, a lot of these things for the project. So we get to sort of, you know, come in and help things happen, but they've budgeted for a lot of the costs. So these can be just high impact and low cost to your budgets and really ultimately the why is it's the impact we get to have incredible impact in our community we want to be I believe a church for our city and when we start to be seen through all of the things that our cities and our schools are doing um, I think it says a lot about the church I think it says a lot about Jesus um, and ultimately again influence is I think one of the biggest reasons why we partner instead of maybe going our own way and again I think we can do both but I think that it's the influence if we can influence uh, school employees if we can influence educators if we can gain relationship with city officials and have some influence for Jesus within our community and within these leaders um, I think it's just an incredible opportunity to witness why we serve um, that's kind of the why, and this is really the, that was all just one point, see, I talk fast, so we're in luck, we're going to wrap up here though um, with this point. I really think that this is kind of key and a big challenge. I want to develop events that are scalable, flexible, and adaptable, and I'll explain here. So my recent role on staff at C3 was unique because we were preparing to multiply campuses, and then, obviously, engagement, always a struggle, right? So, um, and we came from a season where there wasn't a really outreach vision. So, 
um, when I started overseeing outreach, this became important to me because, uh-oh, did I lose something? Sorry. Okay. Um, sorry, I, I think I got on the wrong page. But anyhow, with um, the scalable, flexible, and adaptable. So, right, I wanted them to be scalable because I wanted to build events that would work for our medium to large church, but also work for church plants. I wanted them to be flexible because I wanted to be able to build year over year on the events, but also have enough flexibility to partner with different organizations. And I wanted them to be adaptable because if we were church planting, what works in one community doesn't work in another. So I wanted them to be able to be adaptable to that community as well as the needs. So again, huge um, challenge. And some ways that I overcame this was one with a, an initiative that ended up calling, I don't think it's on this slide, but we called it Second Saturday. So we started a consistent initiative that was the second Saturday of every month we were going to be in the community, in the city, serving. You could call it anything and also do it on a different timeline. So if it's something that out of the gate you would be interested in doing but couldn't do it monthly, you could do it on the 4th. Uh, Saturday or Sunday or the 5th, but the 4th, right? You can be for your city, for the community, and launch that. You could also um, do it on a timeline that was, if you just had a, a kind of a branded, your outreach ministry of beyond our walls or impacts, whatever. Um, you could do that at any time frame then. Every four to six weeks, we're going to do something like this. So our second Saturdays consisted of um, with the partners, right? We would reach out and our wins were that there was a consistent opportunity for people to plug in. And again, it met the objectives of being scalable, flexible, and adaptable because we could have one partner a month, we could have three, depending on the opportunities. We could plug people in with area nonprofits or neighborhood projects, as we would call them, um, to be able to do that. And again, we were able to make at least one of the opportunities family friendly, which was really important because I want to serve with my kids. And so that's really how that Second Saturday initiative worked for us. Again, here's just a few kind of pictures. This is at a nursing home. This is at the Dream Center. And the other picture over there is at the pantry. So again, any given month, we would find these opportunities. They were scalable because we could send four volunteers. We could you know, send 12. Um, and then again, if we needed to send 40 volunteers somewhere, we would just have three of these type of opportunities. Um, I'll take some questions on that at the end if I left anyone hanging there, but that is why that we did that. And then really another approach to outreach that took was we kind of did that monthly of plugging in with local nonprofits, but then planned two to three all church events for the year. And in the first year built two of these events, events that I think, you know, checked all of the marks. And I'm just going to share a little bit about those because I think you could duplicate them easily and you could start small, scale them appropriately. But one, um, was called Serve Our City. So this was, again, our annual sort of maybe if, oh, this was the youth, aren't they adorable? Um, they had blood, sweat, and tears that day serving for sure. They were weeding at multiple schools and, and sprucing up the grounds, mulching, all kinds of things. But anyhow, this event might be something you're familiar with, like an impact week or an impact event. Um, again, we called our Serve Our City. It was a four-day event. So there were 30-some 
um, projects over the four days and just was strategic about placing those in the right time slots for the right people. But we did things, again, like partnering with the schools, cleaning things up. We did block parties in neighborhoods. Um, we gave away free ice cream, um, different things like that. I really wanted to send ice cream trucks through the community. You'd be surprised how expensive that is. Um, so we just brought the ice cream to, to them. And so it was a great event. And again, um, there were just a lot of different time slots. So the logistics on something like that is pretty crazy. But it's a great um, event to have people serve in. And um, again, I'll share a little bit about logistics here. But it's so flexible. One of the names that tossed around for that um, event was doing good in the hood. So you can take that if you want. No, we landed on Serve Our City, but Impact Week, again, anything like that will work for you. Unless you want doing good in the hood, it's all yours. Okay. Um, and then so for Christmas, right, we're always trying to plan something I know big around Christmas, and it's such a hard time um, of the year sometimes. So. Uh, the year that we launched this initiative is called, so I named it Love Gives, right? Because God so loved the world that he gave. And so this was really a version of um, adopt a family for Christmas, right? We were adopting families for Christmas. On the back end, we had about four different partnerships with different organizations, fostering, adoption, um, the local, I forget what they're called, um, organization, but just organizations who are already looking to meet the needs of families who could not provide Christmas, and then brought this opportunity to the church body to be able to adopt families. That picture there is just some of them we had to sort of wrap on our own because they have to be turned in new unwrapped but then we can get them to them wrapped so um, just a really neat way to sort of let the body be engaged and be able to um, meet needs of the community and it's not a big event which is hard I think during Christmas sometimes but another idea around Christmas is you could partner with several organizations so many of these partners if you have them have events during the holidays so could you uh, we did this the year prior actually we just put a handful of these opportunities on our website and said hey we're partnering with these organizations as a church this year choose one we are challenging the entire church to serve somewhere this season and so it was just really cool and again that's not planning you know a big event so another couple of ideas just um, if you're trying to do an all-church event and it's challenging to plan in this season for you if you've ever been a part of a meal packaging event, it's a super easy event to execute. The one um, challenge with it is that you can only pack the meals for which you can fundraise. So if you don't have a budget, you need to inspire people to donate <laughs> in order to do that event. So just want to mention that. And I really want to share this absolutely just incredible um, outreach idea. I wish it was mine, but it wasn't. But it was an incredible, I'm just kidding, um, incredible outreach that a neighboring church did and so for those of you that are not from Pickerington, Ohio you may steal this and rename it I don't know what it was called I'm just naming it stock the shelves and I think that this event was just brilliant it was a way to support area pantries the church had partnered with three different pantries in the surrounding communities and no one knew this was coming right and so the pastor that week on social media said hey save 30 minutes after church this Sunday didn't tell them anything else so they get to church right I have no idea again what the messaging was but what I know what happened from there is they were given a card that said 
the pantry's needs had maybe seven or eight items on it. So it was very specific, right? So through the relationships that the church had with the pantries, they said, what are your greatest needs? They put this list together. Again, the pastor challenged them to go straight from church to the store. On the planning side, the team had contacted the store and said, I mean, this is a large church, right? So you're going to get like rush of people in these time slots. How can we best prepare? They put pallets of these items in the aisles of the grocery store. So the church just went in, they could get 50 of one thing or five of everything checked out, right? They go out into the parking lot and the church has trucks lined up to receive these items. And like, oh, that's going to this pantry, this is going to that pantry, that's going there. I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. It took some logistics on the church's end, but no money, right? No money. And it compelled the church to move and to impact and to make a difference. So I thought it was just really brilliant idea. And again, you can do that with one pantry partner and just have a, a pickup truck in the parking lot and not have the pallets of items, right? Because we can shop for seven or eight items. But if like 2,000 people are, it could be overwhelming to a store. So I thought that was a really cool event. I thought I would share it with you so you could steal it for your community if you wanted to, since I couldn't steal it. No. Um, okay, so I'm not really going to be able to getting into how to execute these events. I know there was another session on that. Hopefully you were able to take that in. Certainly willing to talk with you about logistics if I can help, but this is sort of some um, key points that I think are success factors throughout the event. So develop a lead team. I think that um, there in all of these, right? An event that's gonna be a big impact event, it's really like multiple mini outreach projects. Have a team lead for each of those because you're giving them a handle, you're letting them lead in a small way, right? So they can gain momentum to maybe lead a bigger outreach down the road. It also sort of gives a line of defense between you and every person serving, depending on the scale of the event. Again, we had, you know, maybe 1,200 volunteer slots in that Serve Our City. They could not be calling me if they, if they needed help. So um, definitely had a project lead and make sure that they are equipped. Um, T-shirts, I know. I really believe that we want to be able to point people to God. And it sounds silly, but, um, and this can be a marketing perspective, but ultimately I think we want to give the glory to God. And this is a way to do so, to communicate our service to the church. And I think I should have put, get a banner or a flag too, because you just never know. If you can throw that sucker in the ground, <laughs> it'll be good. Um, and then really as you're launching, if you are launching a ministry, um, leverage your groups, those leaders, those serve teams. So again, if a, if a group is serving together outside the four walls of your church, they will have, if it's a project where they struggle to get through and to serve, they will really have like three months of growth um, and connection that takes place in that event that three months of groups can't touch. So again, and, and I, I believe strongly in groups. So it's saying a lot. I think that it really can bring them together. And then have a contingency plan. So everything that I mentioned, so many things can just go right arise. So you just want to be able to respond quickly and redirect people. So know your city, know your resources, 
equip your team leads, and again, have that point person. And I really just wanted to land with this. It's sort of, I didn't touch on it specifically. I wanted to pull it out separately because I really think we are in a crisis in our world. And these two things go hand in hand, the opioid epidemic and foster and adoption. I know Paris Yeno did a couple of um, sessions here. If you haven't um, been made aware yet of the efforts going on with the Father's Heart, I encourage you to check that out. But I wanted to single them out because I think when we step into this space through partnerships that we need to have a really robust care ministry because you will uncover families that are currently fostering or have our adoptive families that are not currently being supported by the church um, and then also those that uh, families that are struggling with a family member battling addiction so just want to encourage you to sort of have that care ministry prepared to love them well um, and again you can partner with law enforcement programs foster adoption agencies and things like that how can again you help them go further faster add value to what they're doing and just support them I know this is a space um, it breaks the heart of God it needs to break the heart of our church and so it's big stuff and it's hard but I think it's hard and holy so just encourage you to kind of get plugged in there so I'm going to toss up just this total summary it's a lot of words just to say these things we could have started here and ended here no um, so again partner through building relationships they will take time but they will be so worth it add value the power of moments pick up that book listen to it it's a great audible listen as well scalable flexible and adaptable whenever you can develop a lead team wear t-shirts change the world for Jesus <laughs> all right so I'm gonna go ahead I just want to pray over you before we close out and then I will take some questions we actually have 15 minutes for questions I was tired of my voice after 15 minutes so you guys did good I didn't have to yell like pop rocks or anything like that you guys did great appreciate your time I hope that you gained something from today and I would absolutely love your feedback as well so let me pray dear Jesus we just thank you, God. We thank you for synergy today. God, we thank you for the leaders that have invested so much time just to make today happen. And God, I pray over this room. God, I just pray that you ignite something in every heart here. God, I ask you to just uh, bring your blessings and your favor and your provision over everything that is on their hearts because we know their hearts are for you. So I just thank you for them. God, I thank you that they are um, set aside this day God, but I know that it is hard um, and that their hearts just want to see you glorified. So, God, I do. I just um, ask you to bless everyone here. Safe travels home. And, God, we pray that you just blow their minds away with what you do through them this year. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Any questions? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. So that's about follow-up. So um, sort of my connection with the city in this perspective is a little unique in that it sort of started um, before I was in a leadership role really at the church. And I also grew up in the community, even though I'd spent, you know, a decade or more out of the community. And so um, I, I would say that for me, I, I did have a um, sales background in the, in the hotel industry. So it's sort of just in... Um, ingrained in me that building relationships requires 
follow up, but I um, just knew that when I started to ask the questions to understand their struggles, it became very clear to me very early on that I was going to have to prove it. Right, if I, if I really wanted to kind of get those bigger projects, and not that that's why I wanted to partner with them, but I didn't want to be the, a burden, and that's really how it started. It's like, oh, another group wants to do a project, like, you know, and not like they all don't hold value for the city, but they get burned more often than not. And so if someone starts a project and they don't complete it, it's a real burden to the city and to the school. Um, so I did have some relational connection, but ultimately I think if you focus first on building the relationship, so just as you would someone you're mentoring or discipling or anything like that, if you think of it through that lens of I'm building a relationship with this person, and if your heart is truly to learn their needs um, and how the church could really be a blessing to them, so it would just be relationship building is really what drove the connection and the follow-up. Does that help? Or is there anything more specific? Specifically about the people that you guys contacted through the outreach. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Totally different. There you go. Welcome. Um, um, so with the people that we've served as far as the neighborhood projects, um, didn't really establish a follow-up completely um, plan. And somewhat intentionally just because of how some of those were learned uh, how the situations were you know that we kind of got the information being respectful of sort of some of that and that and um, while we wanted to continue to love them also didn't want to right kind of feel like it was a bait and switch right of like hey right the heart wasn't to get them to come to church or anything else but certainly I think that is a vital part it's a vital part of um, kind of what we do with barefoot faith is that you know we kind of started this resource team right so as we do a meal delivery that's great, that's nice, okay? But what other resources could really benefit a family if they're struggling, how else? And so it really is critical to come up with that follow-up plan, I think, with the, with the families. Um, in some cases, it was natural. We've helped people move, and right, they were just struggling, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, they messaged me, like, hey, we're gonna come to church. Well, that's great, that's not why we served you, but you know, we look forward to seeing you. So I think that is um, something to develop, absolutely. Any other questions? Yes. How do you deal with the flux of those who are willing to come like serve with you? Because our church body is stuck one day and that. Yes. It's a challenge. Um, that is really why I think I wanted to bring that point of being adaptable and flexible even in the planning so and why I think local partnerships are key for that so again we want to be able to follow through um, so we have to be careful what we um, promise we don't want to over promise and under deliver so for for me it has worked out to saying okay I know that this project can kind of have a, um, a, a variety or more of a scale right we have to have four or five people show up so I knew, right, I kind of got to the place where I'd have those key leads. I'm like, and I put it on them. So really, that's a key point I guess I skipped over. But when you pinpoint a team lead for a project, whether it's a part of a bigger event or a consistent second Saturday, you're recruiting, right? We're going to do sign-ups and push that out through the church. But I need you to recruit to make sure that this project gets completed. And so that was really kind of how we would make sure we could follow through on our word. So if signups didn't sort of come through, like, hey, you've got to find four people. 
and take them with you to this or eight people or whatever it was and and the leader right because they're all in with you and they're all in because their heart is breaking for these things so they're going to find the people really and so i was just always careful of like oh this month right um if you go second Saturday, it's second Saturday, so we're not at C3 now, but today is a second Saturday, so it's happening, right? And a lot of leaders might be here, so we just kind of have to figure out how to, like, ooh, maybe we should just do one project this month. Like, oh, this is a buzz, the kids are out of school, it's whatever, let's get three projects kind of planned. And so there is really that ebb and flow that you have to be flexible maybe that's the better key the events don't have to be but you as the leader have to be flexible and able to reach out and say hey is there any way we could push this to next month or you know uh, just in enough advance that we don't leave them hanging um, I think is the the biggest key don't leave them hanging and but be proactive when you see something looming don't wait you know be proactive and address it so anything else no? All right. Well, thank you again so much. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day.